This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Bobby Ann Campbell was a 24-year-old from Draper, Utah. She had a daughter, but also had given up a son for adoption, keeping in contact with his new family through letters. On December 27, 1994, Bobby left her daughter with a friend so she could run some errands, including picking up her paycheck. She never came home. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. rental company commercial out right now. It shows a father getting ready to go on a business trip. His little girl realizes that he is leaving, and she runs out of the room, sad that her dad will be gone for a few days. Then the father, seeing his daughter's reaction, changes his car rental reservation to include a car seat so he can take his daughter along. Have you seen it? Now, I don't have any children, but I've been told that one of the toughest things a parent has to do is leave their child behind. Whether it's going on a business trip, like in the commercial, or parents who have left because they're in the military going to Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever, or even in those cases where the parents are divorced and they have to drop their child or children off due to the rules of the child support agreement. Seeing their child's sad face and the parent knowing that he or she is causing it is one of the most emotionally powerful experiences for a parent. Well, we have that situation today. Bobby was the mother of a little girl, a little girl who believed her mom would be back in about an hour. And this little girl sat by the window, staring out at the street, waiting to see her mother's car appear out front once again. But Bobby never returned. Something happened out on the streets of the Salt Lake City area that day. And that little girl, now a woman, wonders what happened and why she was left behind. And now, summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Bobby Campbell had a beautiful side door. She was close to her great grandparents. She and her five year old daughter Stephanie were best friends. Bobby also had a son, but she gave him up for adoption because she knew she wasn't emotionally or financially equipped to raise another child. Even so, she kept in touch with her son's new parents through several letters. But there was another side to Bobby. She had been an addict for several years, and the belief is that she got into harder drugs not long before she disappeared. On December 27, 1994, a date most news outlets have gotten wrong over the years, Bobby dropped Stephanie off with Bobby's friend Jewel. The plan was for Bobby to go out, get a few things including her paycheck, then return. Accounts differ, but Stephanie remembers her mother leaving with her boyfriend at the time. He lived right next to Jewel. Bobby seemingly never ran any of her errands, 
and she never picked up her paycheck. She was never seen again. Eight months later, her car was finally found on a dead-end street in Salt Lake City. Everything was in it except for the keys. Nothing about the vehicle helped the police to determine what happened to Bobby. The following issues have complicated finding a resolution to Bobby's case. Number one, although Stephanie claims Bobby left with the boyfriend, the police insist he did not. Number two, there were no forensics done on Bobby's car. In fact, no one is even sure how long it was on that street. Number three, Bobby's boyfriend, who was not an American citizen, returned to his home country within a year of Bobby's disappearance and has never come back to the United States. And number four, the recently discovered fact that Bobby was actually married to another man, a person no one knew about, and not her boyfriend, when she disappeared. Bobby's family rejects the idea that she just ran off. They suspect drugs and or foul play are responsible for her disappearance. The guest for this episode is Bobby's daughter, Stephanie Farrell. Unfound news. I've been struggling with some big-time sinus and throat issues this week. Luckily, I got the interview for this episode done before the illness set in. However, if you notice my voice isn't quite what it is for the rest of this episode, that's the reason. I apologize, really nothing I could do, but the podcast must go on. Next, as I've mentioned before, I'm trying to branch out and take on some other opportunities to spread the word about Unfound. I may have my first chance to speak at a college about podcasting and missing persons cases in the next few months. I hope it happens. I'll let you know if it does. Finally, I had another conversation with a TV person this week. The usual caveats apply. Those being that the odds of getting a TV show made are very, very low. But he and I had a great talk, and the communication lines are open. This would be for some type of non-fiction program, by the way. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, Podbean and Spotify. Concerning Facebook, please join us on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Unfound live show on the Unfound page. And I also need to give a shout-out to all the new followers on the Podomatic app. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. The website at Trib Total Media, triblive.com forward slash news forward slash unfound. Unfound has Patreon and PayPal accounts, patreon.com forward slash unfound. You automatically get access to the private Unfound blog, and you get a free ebook with a $2 per month contribution. And the PayPal account, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Unfound merchandise, volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 on Amazon in both paperback and ebook form. If you've bought them, please give them some nice reviews. The playing cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. Search for almost all of Unfound's cases at myshopify.com. And please mention Unfound on all true crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Bobby Campbell, Stephanie Farrell. Stephanie, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here. I realized that uh, you were only five years old when your mother went missing, but 
What have you learned about her, maybe from other people, maybe from friends or your grandparents? And what do you remember about her being five years old? I remember a lot about her. I remember we were always together. We were always out doing things. Um, we went to the Hogle Zoo a lot, Liberty Park. We used to go camping and fishing and play Super Nintendo. We were best friends. And so it sounds to me like, um, you know, I'm no child expert, but those memories start to form, the ones that we remember maybe all of our lives, four or five years old. And so your memories are still very vivid. Yeah, I have very vivid memories about her. I can still remember her laugh and her voice. Huh. That's really that's really interesting. It's I guess I suppose you're very lucky that you can do that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe what have um maybe some of the things you didn't know about her, what have maybe if you got to know any of her friends as you got older, or maybe your grandparents, anything they could add to your memories? Yeah, um, I have been slowly learning who her friends were and reaching out to them and trying to learn more about her and her disappearance. One thing that I did learn about her is that she she had a little bit of a drug problem. And then a few mm -hmm. months before she went missing, she got into some harder drugs. Um, mm. But one thing that everyone tells me is that she loved me more than anything, and there's no way she would have left me. Those people who, who told you about her getting into these harder drugs a few months before she disappeared, could they offer up any explanation for that? Yeah. Um, a few people that I've talked to said that after she gave birth to my younger brother, she she placed him for adoption, and she had a really, really hard time doing that. Mm. And it kind of sent her into some depression and that's when she kind of started using drugs. Huh. Well, let's talk about when did you find out that uh, she gave up a son for adoption? Did you know that right when you were five years old? I can't remember that. Um, I found out about him because I was going through my mom's cedar chest and I found pictures of a baby boy. And then I found his adoption papers and everything else. Wow. And have you uh, contacted him here uh, in the 2000s? I met my brother about five or six years ago. Um, I Googled his name and found his parents, and he lives here in Utah. That's interesting. And does he know that uh, his mother and your mother uh, went missing? Does he know that? His family was heartbroken when I told him. He wondered his whole life why she wasn't writing him letters anymore. And he's on the same page as I am now. We just need answers. Wow. Right. And you told me in a pre previous conversation, you just mentioned about writing letters. Even though your mother gave him up, she kind of kept in contact with uh, his family, I guess. Right. His adopted parents would write letters to my mom, giving updates on how he was health-wise, his growing, and sending pictures of him. And they'd drop him off at the Catholic services, and my mom would pick him up and drop off letters, and they would do an exchange. Wow. Any particular reason? Of course, she kept you. Why did she give him up for adoption, if I'm not prying too much, of course? She didn't have the means to take care of two children. She was mm -hmm. barely getting by with just me, and mm -hmm. she didn't have anybody to help her out. 
she didn't want to give him up for adoption, but it mm. she felt like it was a better choice for him. Okay. All right, and I guess uh, the father of this uh, boy went along with that. Apparently so. Um, I'm not sure who the father is. We still haven't tracked him down. No, no, he is. Okay. So you were born first, and then she had uh, your biological brother later. Correct. Okay. All right. So she has you, and then at some point she has uh, your younger brother, who she gives up for adoption. And she was writing letters to him, and then she stopped, and they didn't even know what happened back in 1994. No, they had no idea that she went missing until I met them five years ago. Man, that, now that you say that, that must have been certainly devastating and a big surprise. It was. They were shocked. Um, I called the phone number that I found on the internet, and my brother's father answered. And the first thing he asked me was, well, what happened to Bobby? Where's Bobby? Mm -hmm. And I broke down and had to tell him the whole story. Oh, my. Oh, my. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, we've talked about adoption uh, on this program before uh, in the Andrea Bowman case um, and I think in the Eric Franks case. And once again, adoption comes up in Disappearance of Bobby Campbell. Okay. It's quite a story. And as the listeners know, I'm uh, adopted as well. Let's move on. Um, maybe some of the things that were going on in her life, we've already talked about. Maybe she was getting into some harder drugs uh, in, in the months before she disappeared. But was she. Uh, did she have a job? Where were you living? What was going with, on with all of that? When she went missing, we'd recently moved in with my great-grandparents in Draper. <clears throat> I was starting kindergarten, and they had a stable home. She let me pick if I wanted to live with the grandparents on her mom's side or the grandparents on her dad's side, and I picked to go to Draper. Okay. And so we moved in, and I started kindergarten. Okay. And how was that? Was that good? Yeah, it was great. We shared a room. We played games all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these weren't your grandparents. They were your great-grandparents. Correct. So they were maybe a lot older. Not just older, yeah. but a lot older. Okay. My grandparents were in their 60s when my mom went missing. Okay. And... Um, as uh, I've already talked about the, uh, the, the facts of this case um, before we did this interview, she had a job working a staffing place. Yeah, she worked at SOS Staffing Agency, and they sent her to different jobs where they needed more associates, and she was doing well from what I know. Okay. How long do you think that she had been working there? Probably a few months. Mm. And of course, the day uh, we're going to get into this a little deeper in a moment, but that day that she disappeared, she was going to get a check from work. And of course, she never showed up. So she had the job. You were living at your great grandparents. And she also had a boyfriend, and we're not going to use his real name. We're going to call him Tom. Um, what can you tell the listeners a little bit about him, how she met him? Do you have any idea? She hung around with a bunch of different people, and um, I was left at a friend's house when she went missing. Her name was Jewel, 
-hmm. And this boyfriend, Tom, lived in the same little duplex, triplex that Jewel lived in. Okay. And do you have any idea? I believe that's how they met. Okay. So he was uh, living. um... Did she meet uh, this guy before you moved in with your great grandparents then or after? I'm not sure. Not sure. Okay. How many months would you say that they were uh, a couple before she went missing? I don't remember any of that. Okay. And uh, did he have a job? Do you remember anything about him other than that? I just remember that he had a job, and I remember that I was afraid of him because, to me, he was a giant. Mm. And I can remember him being abusive towards my mom. Okay. All right. Not sure how he met, but um, you remember being afraid of him. And uh, once again, we're not going to use his uh, real name at all for this uh, conversation. You'd mentioned Jewel already, and she plays a part in this disappearance. How did um, your mother know her? Were they longtime friends? Did they grow up together? Or was this uh, somebody just recently in your mother's life? You know, Jewel was a lot older than my mom. She was closer to... She was old enough to be my mom's mother. Mm. She, the duplex that she lived in, I know that my mom was friends with the next door neighbors. Uh, It was a husband and a wife. The husband worked in a pet store. I remember going there with my mom to look at the animals several times. So I think she was friends with that couple. And then maybe that's how she met the next door neighbor, Jewel. Okay. And once again, uh, just have to remember you were five years old. You don't know how long they would have known each other. Right. Okay. All right, because she's going to play a part here in a moment. Let's move to the day that she disappeared. Now, most importantly, we want to correct the date that you believe she disappeared, and you are as knowledgeable as anybody is in the public regarding your mother's disappearance But a lot of places, uh, the listeners are going to find the disappearance date is January 7th, 1995. That's not correct, is it? No. Okay. What is a more accurate date for when your mother disappeared? My family and I remember it being like two days after Christmas. So December 27th, 1994. Okay. Do you have any idea, and I know you've been working on your mother's case for a while, do you have any idea how that got messed up, the difference between, I mean, it's like 10, 11 days. Any ideas how that got messed up? January 7th was the day that they finally let my grandpa report my mother as a missing person. Okay. All right. And that's what became the day. Do you think that the police realized realized then or even realize now that that's not the actual date of the disappearance? Actually, the last time anybody who's believable that saw her was like still in 1994. Do you think the police realize that now? They do realize that now. Back then, we just got the excuses of she's an adult. Adults can do whatever they want. She's not missing. Right. I hear that a lot. Comes up a lot in the in all the cases, all types of different cases. Absolutely. So it's just a couple days after Christmas. Um, what do you remember about Christmas that year? I remember my mom woke me up super early. I want to say around two or three in the morning. 
because my great grandma usually woke up at five and I know it was even earlier than she was used to getting up. She got all of us up and rushed us all to the living room where there were just tons of toys and tons of presents. I have a a video of that Christmas and my mom was using the camcorder. She had to record my reaction to every single present and she was just so excited for everybody to open their presents. And you still have that video to this day, don't you? I do. Wow. And this video was taken just a couple days before she disappeared. Yep. Wow. Okay. Now, moving up once again to December 27th, the actual day of her disappearance, not the day that the police report was found, but the day that she actually disappeared, as far as we can tell. This is something else that maybe needs to be corrected, is that she didn't disappear. She didn't disappear leaving where you live. She actually disappeared leaving from Jules' house. Explain what went on that day. I remember my mom did laundry that morning. She put everything into a blue laundry basket. My great-grandmother said that she gave her $10 for gas. She put some presents in the car that she was going to give to her friends that weekend. And we were going to go stay with her friend Jewel in Salt Lake for a couple of days. Okay. Was that unusual to go stay with Jewel for a couple of days or was this a one-off no. thing? We would go and stay with different friends a lot of times. Sometimes we'd camp in friends' backyards. The couple that lived next to Jewel, I remember they had kittens, and I remember sleeping at their house a few times. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't anything odd. It was something we, we did sometimes. Okay. Can you give an approximate location uh, of where you lived, where you and your mother were living with your grandparents, and then maybe an address of where Jewel lived, because uh, I know they're not near each other. Right. So we were living in Draper, um, around 123rd South, and my mom drove us to Jules' house, which was about a block from Liberty Park. Okay. And so they're really nowhere near each other. You couldn't walk it or anything like that? No. No. Okay. So you get to Jules, and what happens next? I remember we went into Jewel's house. We hung out for a little bit. Jewel gave my mom a little bit of money for groceries. My mom was going to go pick up her paycheck, get groceries for us and Jewel, and then come home. Just like any other day, uh, do you remember her doing this before, maybe dropping you off with someone when she went to get her check, or would you say that you usually rode with her? When you I would, usually she would... did not go to the store with her because I was five years old and I don't like taking my five-year-old to the grocery store, so to me, it seems completely normal. Sure. Sure. So she wanted maybe a little mother alone time, possibly, and Jewel was somebody that she trusted with you. And so she thought, well, I'll just go out and have some alone time for a little bit, go get my check, hour or two, and come back. Right. Okay. Did you get along with Jewel well? Do you remember getting along with her? Was she a good babysitter? Yeah, I remember she was really nice, but I thought of her as a grandma. Okay. 
Now here's something, um, this is a discrepancy, and we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, a little bit more later, but when you remember leaving, you remember something different from what eventually went on the police report, of course, that wasn't filed until 10 or 11 days later. Can you explain the, the differences and, and why do you think that's happened? I remember my mom leaving with her boyfriend, Tom. Um, I was sitting in the window. I remember watching him walk to the car. The police do not believe that she left with anybody. The police say that she left alone. Did they, um, once again, I don't know, the the rules of which police talk to young children, which you would have been at the time, did you tell them that at five years old? Do you remember talking to the police and telling them that she left with her boyfriend? I never or talked to the police. They never talked to you? Okay, they never talked to you. Then how do you think they got the idea then that she left alone when you remember, of course, you were there, you remember something different? Any ideas? They claim that they interviewed Jewel and the neighbor and Tom, and Tom said that he hadn't seen my mom in about a week. Do you remember seeing him maybe within a week of your mother disappearing, as you remember it? No. I remember I had school, and then we celebrated Christmas with my great-grandparents, and I don't remember seeing him very recent or prior to the last day I saw my mom. That day. Okay. And we have to remind the listeners is that uh, where did Tom live in relation to Jewel? Jewel lived in a duplex, which had like two side-by-side homes that were connected and mm -hmm. then in the back of the home there was kind of an unfinished apartment I, it had cement walls I remember it had a bed and a sink mm -hmm. but there wasn't much in it that's where he stayed okay so he lived essentially to keep it simple right next to where Joel lived correct all right so it wouldn't be totally crazy that your mother goes over there brings you and then she did leave with him because he was there it's not it's very likely, as a matter of fact, possibly. Right. Okay. Okay. But once again, um, is it your then understanding from that day when they eventually did take the report on this that the Jewel, that Jewel said that she didn't see Tom that day? That's your understanding then? That's correct. Okay. So you and Jewel have a different uh, recollection of that. And I want to come back to that a little later. So she leaves. Whether with Tom or not with Tom, you're expecting her to come back, and she doesn't come back. What goes on, as you remember, over those next few days? I remember waking up in the window seat, looking around Jewel's apartment for my mom, and she wasn't there. I was scared because my mom wouldn't just leave me without making plans to do so. Mm -hmm. She didn't leave any of my clothes or anything with Jewel. They were still in the back of my mom's car. Um, Jewel had a friend come and pick me up and take me to Liberty Park. And we walked around for a couple of hours looking for my mom to see if maybe she was there. Once the friends brought me back to Jewel's home, I ran for the phone and called my great-grandparents. Mm-hmm. And you were, you were the one, not Jewel, but you were the one that had to tell him that your mother never came home? Right. 
what happened next? Um, my understanding is that your your great was it your great grandparents then started riding around looking for her. Yeah, my great grandparents came and got me, and then my great grandpa would just drive around every day looking for her. The day that they came and got me, he went straight to the police because it wasn't characteristic of my mom to just leave me without making plans. Mm-hmm. When she left for the night, she would leave me with my great-grandparents. And so it wasn't like a normal scenario. Mm-hmm. My grandpa went to the police station and they said, you have to wait 72 hours. She's an adult. She'll come home. My grandfather drove around for the next two or three days looking for her blue car, couldn't find it anywhere, went back to the police. The police again said, she's still not missing. She's an adult. If we have to find or if we find her, we don't have to tell you. And they said, come back in a week. And he came back a week later. And from what I understand, there was a little bit of a argument that went on. They actually threatened to arrest my great grandfather because he was so upset, but he got them to open a missing persons case. Okay. So that whole time, once again, between December 27th, 1994 and January 7th, 1995, uh, your great grandparents uh, were looking for your mother, Bobby. Anybody else riding around uh, once again? I know you're five years old. Maybe, you, uh, maybe this would have been time off from school. But other, were there any other adults, private adults, not the police, private adults looking for her? No, just my grandpa. We have a pretty small family. Okay. What about uh, Jewel? Did she, in this time, once again, before the police report was filed, did she say anything to you? Did your great grandparents talk to her? What did she say about? Um, Bobby not coming back. From what my grandparents tell me, Jewel didn't have any idea where my mom could be. She was just upset that she gave my mom money for groceries and she was out that 50 bucks. So my grandma gave her $50 to make up for it, but she didn't have any idea of where my mom was. So your impression was she was more uh, upset about the $50 than your mother disappearing? Right. I have to say, Stephanie, that doesn't sound like a very good friend. Nope, it doesn't. Especially from what I've learned. Please, please, please. I'm sorry. From what I've learned of Jewel, she did have a drug habit. So $50 is $50 she could use for drugs. Yeah. I guess what I was going to say was that this is a, a woman that your mother trusted you to stay with at least for a few hours, at least that day, if not prior times. And then when she goes missing, you're, this woman is more worried about the money. That's That certainly doesn't make her character look very good, I, I nope. guess. Okay. Um, and, and frankly, if she's going to act like that, then I have to question – I'm sure the listeners are saying that probably thinking then how can she believe, be believed regarding that day as what she saw and what she didn't see. You know, getting back to whether uh, your mother left with Tom or she didn't live with Tom. That certainly damages, uh, in my mind, damages Jules' credibility if she's more worried about money than anything else. But but that's just me. Um, In this time after your mother disappeared, did you happen to see Tom anywhere? Did your great-grandparents get to talk to Tom? 
I have spoken with Tom recently in the past few months and kind of tried to re-question him myself. Um, Mm -hmm. He told me that my grandparents did speak with him. He told them that he hadn't seen her in about a week. And Mm -hmm. apparently he offered to take me in and take care of me. Okay. But back then, do you, once again, going back to 1994 and 1995, do you remember him um, being around? Do you ever remember him helping, even hearing about him helping any searches? Did he go driving around looking for her like your great-grandparents did, to your knowledge? To my knowledge, no. Okay. All right, so your mother's missing. The police don't want to do anything for at least 10 days. Your great-grandfather about gets in in a fight with police and trying to get a report filed. Uh, What do the police uh, end up doing uh, once they do take this report? And we have to mention that uh, not just Bobby is missing, but her car is missing, and we'll cover that in a moment. But uh, what did the police do? Once they got involved, did they do very much? From what my grandfather told me, they didn't do anything. So they filled out the report and just put it in a file somewhere. Yeah, and I have the report. I have a copy of the original report, and it says notified dispatch. And as far as I know, that's the only thing that happened until the car was found. And you had told me that at some point in here, although Jewel was worried about her money and everything, she did offer up an explanation for what she thought happened to Bobby. What did she say? She thought that my mom just, you know, went out partying or... Hmm. I don't really know. I just... Mm -hmm. She also told my grandparents that she didn't believe that my mom would have just left me. Okay. She didn't say something in effect that she thought Bobby just took off? Yeah. She did say that that could be one possibility. Okay. All right. So now it's early 1995. Um, I'm guessing you're staying with your great-grandparents. You don't know where your mother is. You have to, of course, start going back to school, I guess, after a Christmas break or, or whatever. And what goes on um, that year? Um, Of course, you're thinking a lot about your mother. What was that year of 1995 like? It was devastating. It was hell. I, I wouldn't wish that upon any child. I cried all day long. Anytime anybody said anything to me, I would start crying. I just missed my best friend, and from what I believed when I was little, my mom left me to go with her boyfriend. Right, because last time you saw her, you saw her with Tom, even though adults claim otherwise. You remember it a different way. That's correct. Okay. In those... um, and the car eventually was found, but it was a, a while. But in those months before the car was found, did Tom ever come over to your great-grandparents to see how you were doing? Did any of other Bobby's friends come over? Jewel, anybody in those last eight months ever come over to your great-grandparents and offer up any um, ideas, uh, anything in, in those months? The only person that came to check on me or to check in with my family was my mom's stepdad. 
he came and asked if we needed help, if my grandparents wanted him to take me and raise me. But none of her so-called friends or anyone that she hung around came to the house. Okay. All right. So Tom didn't come by. Jewel didn't come by. They just, it, as far as you know, and of course, um, you know, once again, it's been 23 years. You were five at the time. You're late 20s uh, now. Um, to your knowledge, once again, these people didn't help out in any way to try to figure out what happened to your mother. Any, any Anything you've heard in the last 20 plus years? No, um, I know that they tell me now that they were interviewed by the police, but mm. they didn't know anything. Okay. Then, um, sometime later in 1995, your mother's car was found. Uh, tell the listeners how that happened, and we'll get into some of the details uh, about the, the state of the car and everything else. How did that all happen? My mom's car was owned by my great-grandpa, and he got a ticket in the mail stating that it was parked in a no-parking zone. So he drove to the address on the ticket, and her car was there. It was unlocked. It still had my clothes in the back seat and the laundry basket, as well as my mom's. It had her makeup, jewelry, the $10 was in the jockey box, or glove compartment, mm -hmm. and there was a weapon under the driver's seat but she was nowhere to be found okay when you say weapon do you know what kind of weapon it was i do but i am not supposed to disclose it okay but there was something that could be used to hurt another person under the driver's seat correct okay uh, where what what is the rough address of where this car was found? I can't think of it right now. Um, it was okay. near the Jordan River in Salt Lake City, Utah. I want to say it was around 600 west. Okay. And um, I know the address is out there, but it was kind of like on a dead end. It wasn't like a regular residential street. It was like on a street that eventually dead ended at the river. Right. Okay. What kind of area would you say that this, uh, the where the car was found? What kind of area is it? It's not a great area. There's high crime in that area. There has been all these years. Mm -hmm. And is it anywhere near where your great grandparents lived? It is anywhere near where Jewel lived. Is it anywhere near where she would have been going to get her check? the day she disappeared, anywhere near any of that? From my understanding, it's not within walking distance mm -hmm. to any of those places. It's about 40 minutes from my grandparents' house and about 15, 20 minutes from Jewel's home. Okay. And maybe a five-minute drive to SOS. Now, you've had, of course, you've been working on your mother's disappearance. As you stated, you've had some of the paperwork and uh, that uh, concerns her disappearance. Uh, have you ever been told any reason that your mother might have been in that area? Any Did she possibly know anybody in the, that general area of Salt Lake City? From my understanding, the police have told me that they don't know why her car was there. 
we have had tips come forward that there was a party house about a block away. Okay. And she might have parked there to go there to this party. Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. Now here's um something that you know not only did the police possibly get the situation wrong with her leaving with her boyfriend or not leaving with her boyfriend, but the police have stated that they believe that that car has been there was there essentially the whole time. Is that right? That's right. But it was in a no parking zone, hence they got the ticket. Right. All right. So, um, does it seem? I, I just have to ask. Does it seem weird to you that a car could sit there for eight months? Once again, from the late. 1994 into like August of 1995 and it takes eight months for a car to get a parking ticket in a no parking zone mm -hmm. with the street that the car was parked on it's not a high traffic area mm -hmm. so I think it's possible the only reason that makes me feel or think that it's possible is that there was still money in the glove compartment the clothes were still in the back seat yeah pretty much untouched and did you say that the car was also unlocked? Correct. Were the keys in it? No. And the keys have never been found, have they? That's right. So the car essentially looked like it would have when she left Jules that day. Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. The keys weren't in it. There was a weapon in it. If you don't want to talk about what it was, that's fine. And uh, do you know, if the keys were missing, how did they get started and what happened to the car after they discovered it? My grandpa discovered the car and immediately told the police so that they could come and investigate it. The police told him, what do you want us to do? It's your car. So my grandfather had it towed back to Draper. He had keys made. It was drivable from my understanding. And... There it sat in our back field. We had two acres of property, and he just parked it in the backyard for a little while. He told the police that he had found the weapon. The police said, what do you want us to do about it? Get rid of it. So he did. Wow. Huh. Um, I know you can't say what kind of weapon it was, but um, from what your understanding is and what your grandparents' understanding would be about knowing uh, your mother, uh, were you surprised to hear that there was a weapon in the car? Were they surprised to hear that there was a weapon in the car? My grandpa was surprised to find a weapon, but thinking back on my mom and the people that she hung around, it's possible it could have been there for her protection. I do have to ask you this, too. Uh, we had talked about this before, but when you did get, when your grandfather, great-grandfather did get keys made, did the car start right up? I'm not really sure. I can't. I can remember the day that the car came to our house, and I remember sitting in the front yard watching it being towed to our home, but I can't remember if it started right up. Okay. It'd be interesting to know. No way we'll be able to track down that information now. But I, I would have to say, if the listeners want to know why I asked that question, being that Salt Lake City does get so cold, 
And if the car was sitting there from late December 1994 to August or whenever it was in 1995, I would think the battery would be dead, not being used for eight months, along with the combination of the cold. And, of course, Salt Lake City gets very hot, too. Um, I would think that a battery would need to be charged during that time for the car to be started. But if it started right up, that would lead me to believe that somebody might have been driving it for at least a while, but we just don't know. Right. I guess what you're saying also is that the police did no processing of it, no fingerprints, nothing. Correct. And then eventually your great-grandfather sold it. He couldn't bear to look at it every day, so he sold it. I can certainly understand that. Okay. All right, so this car was eventually found eight months later. Uh, police are going to try to tell us it was there the whole time. I'm not so sure about that, but um, let's move on to this. Uh, let's go back to talking about Tom. I just want to reiterate uh, some things. Um, to your knowledge, has he ever um, said what he was doing on December 27th, 1994? Not to my knowledge. And the police did talk to him, though. Yes. Okay. All right. So the police talked to him. Um, did he ever take a polygraph test? No. Mm -hmm. Did he, they, they, they maybe ask him to and he refused? Any idea regarding any of that? I have no idea. Okay. Now you've told me that he was not an American citizen. Um, he went back to his... Is it true that he went back to his home country not maybe within the the next six months after your mother's disappearance? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Do you know if he was here in a green card or any idea how he got into the United States in the first place? No, I'm not sure why he was here. So he goes back to his home country. We're not going to say what the country is in case to give away who he is or his identity. And he's. Do you know if he's ever come back to the United States since late nineteen? Uh, let's say early nineteen ninety-five. I have no idea. No idea. So he just moved on with his life as if uh, Bobby never existed. It seems like all of her friends did that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he wasn't much help. Didn't want to do a search. In fact, he claims that he didn't even see. Um, Bobby for at least a week before she disappeared, which seems to me be kind of strange because they were in a relationship. Um, if I may ask, was Tom into drugs as well, like Bobby was? I didn't know the answer at the time, but I have come to find out that, yes, he was involved in drugs. And to your knowledge, uh, once again, he wasn't an American citizen. Do you know if he ever had any uh, charges against him while he was in the United States back then. Everybody? I have learned that he did have drug charges back then. He did. Okay. Now we've talked about Jewel. Um, we're to believe that she said that Bobby left on her own. Um, is that your understanding? Once again, to the best of your knowledge. Yeah. And did you try to, once again, remembering that you were five years old, did you try to keep in touch with her once you maybe got into your teenage years? Or how, what was your relationship with Jewel 
after your mother's disappearance? I never talked to her again. Um, my grandparents kind of kept me away from the people that my mom was around because they weren't very great people. Most of them were involved with drugs. Uh-huh. I had tried doing Google searches in my teens to try to find Jewel, but I didn't have a last name. And then a couple of years ago, I finally found out her last name and I found out that she passed away many years ago. Like maybe going back to the early 2000s or late 1990s? I think it was late 1990s. Oh my. So she can't even be used as a person with information, not maybe a person of interest, but even somebody if the police um, are doing some work on the case these days, they can't even talk to her anymore. Right. And do you know how she died? A drug overdose. Okay, we have to also remember that you said that Jewel was quite a bit older than your mother to the point where she was old enough to be Bobby's mother, maybe 25 years old or something like that. Right. Okay. Now, on the public record, uh, at least on Charlie Project and elsewhere, uh, people were going to read about maybe a couple sightings of your mother after she disappeared. Why don't we talk about those um do you put any credence in them and and I, i'm gonna forecast say i know you don't but um why not the first sighting that the police have on record is my mom had a court date in early january of 95 they claim that she did show up to this court i don't believe it's true because my grandfather sat outside the courthouse all day waiting to see if she was going to show up to court and he never saw her. They don't have any signatures of her being there. They can't prove that she was there at all. Huh. So the police since do not believe that she was in court that day. Okay. What was this? Um, this would have been early January, maybe January 4th or something. Or what do you think? Yeah. Okay. Do you know that what that was regarding? It was a drug charge. Okay. Do you think um, if she had been, was it like something serious? Like could she have done jail time or what do you know? From my understanding and what my grandparents told me, it was going to be dismissed. Okay. So um, there would be no reason for her to run. Let's say she was maybe facing five years in jail. Maybe she was going to try to run off. Was it something like that? No. Okay. So this sighting uh, there is not true. Was there also another possible sighting in a park or at a grocery store? Something else that popped up over the years? Yes. Um, my mom's case was first aired on the news, local news here in Utah when I was 12. So quite quite a long time after she had been missing mm-hmm. after that news report the police received a tip that somebody saw her at liberty park this summer after her disappearance but that tip wasn't called in for many years so it's to me it's not very credible i, I would have to agree with you on that stephanie that the longer somebody calls in a sighting after the sighting actually allegedly occurred, the, the chances of it being reliable go drastically down. You know, and you start stretching out to seven, eight, nine years, and it's just 
almost not believable, and the listeners already know how I feel about sightings in general after the official um, disappearance date. I don't put a lot of credence in them. So we have a couple of these, but nothing ever came of them. No. Okay. Any uh, tips over the years as to what could have happened? Any anonymous tips, maybe people calling and maybe not sightings, but anybody calling in any tips to the police, anything like that over the last 23 years, almost 23 years? The most believable tip that has been called in was recently, 23 years later, a woman called in and said that she was associated with the same group of friends and that she heard my mom overdosed in a group of people and they got scared and they disposed of her body. Hmm. Well, that, that does happen. I mean, it's hard. It would be hard to... I didn't know your mother, but what you've told about me, what the what you've told uh, me, and what you've told the listeners, I suppose that's possible. I mean, we, drugs you just never can tell. But um, we also have to remember, though, that your mother uh, never did get her check that day. That's right. And it would seem that if she was going to go do drugs with people, she would go get that check, maybe cash it or something. And then if she was going to use some of it, she could have used some of that money for drugs. But it doesn't seem that she did that because she never picked up uh, the check. I also have to wonder, and I have this in my notes here, um, since Jewel was also into drugs, do you think that she would babysit you while your mother went and did that? Or do you think that would have been something that Jewel would have wanted to go along as well? What do you think? I think that the money that Jewel claims was for groceries was actually for drugs. Let's see. So I believe that she asked my mom to go get drugs for her. Okay, that's an interesting uh, insight into that. That's something that I had not considered. Okay. And do you think that Jewel maybe took that secret to her grave? She never told the police that? Would you, and you have any insight into that? I absolutely believe that. I believe that she knew, if she didn't know what happened, she knew more than she told the police, and she took it to her grave. Okay. And then maybe it is possible, being that that's where uh, your mother's car was, that might have, since you said it's a not the greatest area, maybe it could be. That's where she parked her car to go get drugs in one of those houses in, on that block somewhere. And maybe Tom was with her, maybe he wasn't. Very possible. Is that possible, do you think? I believe it is. Okay. Now, there's another guy, and we're not going to use his, and this is uh, something that I understand is kind of uh, more recent, which uh, certainly is another, I guess, a twist in this case, is that there is a guy, we're not using his uh, real name, we're going to call him Dan. What can you tell the listeners about him, and when did you find out about him? So a few months prior to my mom's disappearance, my mom secretly got married to Dan. Um, my family didn't know about it. All of the friends that she was very close with, when I've you know, talked to them recently, none of them knew that she got married to Dan. We never lived with him. I don't remember him. My grandparents obtained a copy of the marriage certificate after she went missing. How did they even find out about this guy? 
my mom had mentioned it to a friend or a neighbor and after she went missing the the neighbor told my grandparents and they went about going to and somewhere in your mother's place or you're living with your great grandparents among her paperwork you found this this marriage license that's correct and you don't remember them at all nope did they uh, get married like uh, Justice of the Peace, or uh, do you know how that all happened? It looks like with the paperwork I have, they just got married in the courthouse. And when did you when did you personally find out about this? When I was a teenager, my grandfather told me. Any? Uh, have you contacted this guy? What did he have to say about? I mean. Nobody knew about him. I mean, she had this other guy, Tom. I mean, can you explain? I it uh, can you explain that at all? The police say that uh, Dan said he was in jail at the time of her disappearance. I haven't been able to confirm whether or not that's true. Um, I have been advised not to reach out to him because he does have a some charges and he's got a pretty big criminal record. Okay. So, I mean, were they, I, I guess they were a couple then. It, I guess so, but nobody knew about it. That is a stumper. Never lived with them, at least once again, I realize you're just five years old. And how many months was this before she disappeared that he got, she got married to this guy? I don't have the dates offhand but maybe eight months before she went missing and they never got divorced wasn't one of these no. uh, like when uh, not to put any joke on this at all but just to put it in context of like when britney spears got married in las vegas and like two days later they got divorced it wasn't anything like that it was like they were still married when she disappeared right do you think tom knew about dan I don't believe so. Man, that is that is certainly a stumper, and I'm sure you've been thinking. I mean, once again, you found out as a teenager, you've been thinking about this the whole time. Right. Can't make any sense of it at all. I just don't know. Don't know even know how he sounds like a, a bad guy, but uh, don't even know how your mother knew him. You don't ever remember seeing any pictures of him. In your in apartment or anything? No. It's like a big secret. Okay, uh, but you say he still is alive. He is. He no longer lives in Utah, but he is still alive. Okay, and you do know, even though we're not going to say his real name to the audience, you do know his full real name. I do. Okay. Man, that is. Um, do you personally? Consider him possibly to, I know what he says he was in jail, but is it possible maybe that he had something to do with your mother's disappearance? Yeah, I do believe that. Um, there's so many different scenarios that run through my head on a daily basis, but mm -hmm. him being involved goes through my mind a lot. Okay, so we have uh, Jewel who wants her 50 bucks after. Uh, your mother disappears. That's her main concern. We have Tom, who wasn't even an American citizen. She was allegedly, he was allegedly uh, your mother's boyfriend. 
They were hanging out together. Then he goes back to his home country, maybe within the, the year after uh, your mother disappears. Doesn't sound like he was very helpful, and we don't even know if his words can be believed regarding that time. And then this guy pops up as well, the, the secret um, husband. Right. And uh, just to be clear about something else, is Dan possibly the father of the brother, the, the boy that was given up for adoption? No. He's not. Okay. Um, and we don't, you said you don't even know who that is. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I, I do have to ask this, being that um, you have a father. Is he a suspect in your mother's disappearance at all? I don't believe my father is. Um, my mom would never tell me or my great grandparents who my father was. I only found out last year my biological father's real name and he passed away quite a few years ago i did i'm sorry to hear that stephanie huh okay uh did he live in the salt lake city area at the time no he was from wyoming where my mom grew up okay so he could have had an alibi for late 1994 that he was in an entirely different state right and do you, have, do you ever any knowledge whether your mother kept in touch with him, even though you might not have ever met him and didn't know him to recently? Do you think she ever kept in contact with him after you, you were born? Maybe he, be, please. I don't think that he even knew I existed. I think that she stayed away from him. I have spoken with his two children, and they had no idea that they had a sister or they didn't remember my mom or anything. Okay. All right. Now, you have told me recently that the police are still working on this case, even though it's 20 some years old. Unlike a lot of the case I cover that old, the police haven't worked on it in years. You told me that you've gotten some recent information that they've actually questioned. We'll not go into the specifics, but they've actually questioned some people like within the last year regarding your mother's disappearance. That's right. Well, if that's the case, Stephanie, you're certainly doing – I know this has been horrible for you, but if that's the case, you're certainly doing better than most. Right. Because um, I, I can't tell you um, how many cases I run into where I know the police, at least to the family's knowledge, have not worked on a case in years. And even cases that are a lot newer than your mother's is. Um, so how did you find out about that? Is that something that you talked to them about, or did they call you up to say that they're working on it? How did you find that out? I keep, I call the detective on my mom's case at least once a month to check in. Are you working on her on her case? What are you doing? I just try to, I keep it fresh on their mind in hopes that they will keep working on it and find out what happened to my mom. And so in one of those calls, they told you, as a matter of fact, we did do something. Right. Well, that, that had to make you, I know, we're not, we don't have a solution here yet. It's not resolved, but that had to make you feel good when you heard that. It did. And I also have a private investigator that has done a lot for my mom's case, and he's questioned people, and he does a really great job. Okay, good. Good. 
when did this of course it's been 20 some years and you were five at the time you were a mother now uh when did you start um kind of heading this up uh, i'm going to take for granted are your great grandparents are not with us anymore that's correct they've both passed away okay so you've um been doing this um for how long now have you been personally you kind of been heading this up I got her case reopened when I was 18, and I've been looking ever since. So like 10 years now? Yep. Okay. You had expressed earlier uh, when you are five years old going into 1995 how that was a, you know, a horrible uh, year. Mother not being around, you're crying all the time and everything. Um has any of those do those feelings ever subside between 19 late 1994 and now September 2018 the feelings don't subside i've just learned through the years how to manage it all um i have days where i wake up from nightmares mm -hmm. of what could have possibly happened i still break down if something reminds me of my mom, it's still painful every day. And your great-grandparents uh, raised you? Uh, you stayed at their house for, to you, maybe moved out on your own? Is that who brought you up, or what happened after your mother's yeah, disappearance? I, my great-grandparents raised me. Um, I lived with them until I was 18, and I moved out on my own. I was very close with them. They they were my parents because they raised me from the time I was five. Mm -hmm. And then since then, they've both passed away. Right. Um, my grandfather, on the last day he was with us, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know who his wife was. He didn't know who anyone was. But when I went into the room, he looked me in the eye and said, where's Bobby? What happened to Bobby? Oh, my. And the only thing I could tell him is she went to work because I didn't want to have him relive everything all over again. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. Um, do you have a Facebook page or website or anything set up for your mother's disappearance, Stephanie? I have a Facebook page. It's Missing Bobby Ann Campbell. And I also have an email set up that's Missing Bobby Ann Campbell at gmail.com. Okay. Do you think that losing your mother early in your life, five years old, her going disappearing, uh, and I know your mother now is, do you think that's affected how you are a mother now and how I don't know how many children you have, none of my business, but has it affected how you're a mother? Do you think it absolutely has i my children are my whole world i have two amazing little kids my son is the same age i was when i lost my mom so it's a little bit hard to look at him and know how i felt at that age and i can't imagine a child going through what i went through but I'm super protective of them. I I just always want to be here for them. Mm -hmm. 
And do you think that finding out about your mother's, once again, struggle with drugs, getting into harder drugs, maybe that had something to do with the disappearance? We don't know. I mean, has that affected your attitude toward that as well? Yeah, I would never do anything to make it so that I couldn't be here for my kids. Stephanie, any last words before we complete this uh, interview? Just if anybody has any information, whether you feel like it's helpful or not, a memory, anything, please reach out and call the police. You can remain anonymous. Send an email to that email address. I just need to find my mom. Okay. And I am not sure if you are a member of the uh, Unfound Discussion Group, which is a private group on Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure if you're in there or not. I will surely get you in there if you're not. But uh, we do make it possible that uh, listeners can contact you. And I know that they've been very helpful in many of the other cases that Unfound has covered, you know, with information, with, you know, insights. And, you know, in particular, this is the second disappearance I've covered in Salt Lake City. So I know that I already have. Uh, many Salt Lake City listeners already. So, you know, I'm always hoping, uh, you know, somebody might know something, be able to come forward um, after all these years. And my, um, maybe the listeners don't know, but I, I'm very familiar with Salt Lake City because I had two brothers that lived there for quite a while. It's a big city, but it seems to me it's a very small city too. It seems like a lot of people didn't do know each other. So I can, ho I can only hope that some of the Salt Lake City listeners uh, we'll be able to help you out, and we'll make it easy for them to contact you. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. And Stephanie, I appreciate you joining me and the listeners on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Stephanie Farrell, daughter of Bobby Campbell. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. So many variables in this disappearance. Did Bobby leave with Tom or didn't she? How was she married to someone nobody knew about? Was the car parked on that street for just a couple days or for eight months? If Jewel was trustworthy enough to watch Stephanie, then why did it seem to Stephanie that Jewel was only worried about her 50 bucks? I'm not sure how we can decipher all of that 23 years later and come to an accurate conclusion as to what happened to Bobby. The truth is that almost anything could have happened to her. An overdose, Tom did something to her, Dan, if he was out of jail, could have hurt her, she could have run into some other guy who nobody knew about that did something to Bobby. All I can say for sure is I believe Stephanie and that Bobby didn't run off and leave her daughter behind. I'm pretty sure about that. If for no other reason than if Bobby was going to run away, she would have gotten her paycheck first. What Stephanie and I only talked about in passing, though, was the court date Bobby had. If I heard Stephanie right, Bobby disappeared about a week before it. Granted, Stephanie doesn't believe Bobby was going to do any time. She said her mother's charges were going to be dismissed. But I can't help but think that someone might have been nervous about her showing up in court on drug charges. Was somebody afraid that the name of a person who sold Bobby those drugs might pop up? Remember... Tom had drug charges against him. Was he worried about going to jail? Or was the secret husband Dan worried? Because he was shady as well. In fact, did he and Bobby get married so she couldn't testify against him in court at some point? 
that has crossed my mind. The good news is that there are things going on in this case 20-some years later. The investigators haven't forgotten about Bobby. They just talked to Tom again recently. That's better than most cases get after being this old. And that will keep the public from leaving Bobby and her disappearance behind. With that, I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.